This is Show Notes, the podcast for performance with Emily Edmonds. Hello, wonderful listeners, and welcome to this Show Notes, the podcast with me, Emily Edmonds. Today we have an awesome episode in store for you, as always, Um, but I'm really passionate about this episode. We're talking about uh, a performer's experience of endometriosis. Um, So that might be, you know, a familiar word or term or condition to some of you, and it might be um, unknown to others of you. Uh, So we're going to talk a bunch about this condition, which I guess is... um, a condition that occurs in, I think it's about one in 10 um, women uh, or people who have a uterus who bleed. Um, and we talk about it a bunch in the episode. So I won't dive into it too much now. Um, but if you've ever been curious um, or, or curious about or you have sort of a niggling feeling that something might be up with your period or your kind of uterus or your ovaries or your fertility or, um, you know, including but not um, limited to any of those things. Uh, if, you're, if you're curious about, you know, you've got a bit of a sense of something might be going on or I'd like to know more about this or I've tried to pursue some information about this but haven't quite gone anywhere, then this is absolutely the episode for you. So we're talking about um, – uh, I'm talking to the wonderful Hannah-Lisa Kirchen, who is a mezzo-soprano performer extraordinaire about her experience with endometriosis. And I uh, also was recently diagnosed with endometriosis last year and had treatment for it. So we um, both have very different experiences and I think that's pretty common for this condition. Like it is just there, there is a vast range of um, experiences and ways that this plays out and um, ways that people deal with it and ways it shows on their body and symptoms. So we're just representing kind of, I guess, two of those experiences. And the hope is that in talking about our experiences and, you know, diagnosis and treatment and how we went about getting diagnosis, um, our experiences, the ways that we deal with it, um, again, in two very different kind of stories and landscapes. Our hope is that in sharing this, Um, You might find something that resonates with you or something that um, maybe turns a light on for you or helps you in your journey. Um, Again, this is just our experience. So we're not medical professionals, obviously. And, um, you know, please take everything we say with a grain of salt. Please understand that it's just our experience. But the intention of sharing this is that, um, you know, you might feel less alone. You might as I say, shed some light on what might be going on for you, or it might just sort of tickle that niggling feeling uh, that you might go and get something checked out, which I sort of really like I'd had that niggling feeling for, you know, I'd had my period for 19 years. I got it when I was 10 years old, Uh, you know, so kind of 19 going on 20 years um, before I had actually had a diagnosis before I had had someone say, yep, I'm pretty sure this is what it is and this is what the treatment is. And I had been to multiple GPs and gynecologists and said, look, I have a tricky period. Um, I feel like something might be going on. And 
it really wasn't like I'm talking kind of a bunch of different medical professionals in a bunch of different countries. Uh, and it wasn't really, it wasn't picked up. I had sort of had an inkling that mm, it could be endo. When I hear people talk about this, I just get this funny feeling. And, um, you know, whether that's the case for you, whether it's sort of an instinctive kind of niggling feeling, or you might look at a list of symptoms and say, yeah, I recognize some of those. I mean, for me, when I talked to my fantastic GP about it, she said, oh, but you don't quite tick all these boxes. And I spoke to a few other healthcare professionals. Oh, you don't, but it's not quite, your period's not quite heavy enough or it's not quite painful enough. But for me, I knew that something was up. And, you know, in in terms of things like that as well, I think we can um, sort of understate our own experience. uh, And maybe in terms of pain, we can say, I guess it's not as bad as, or it's, not that bad or it doesn't look like it looks for this other person but I would just encourage you and we talk a lot about this in this episode I would encourage you to really continue to seek out answers and if you really don't feel like either you're being listened to or you feel like something is still up even though your medical professional might be doing their best to kind of listen to you and make space if you feel like something's still up just keep pursuing it and it can be a long journey and as we talk about in the episode I recognize that medical care can be tricky to access um, you know financially practically but I think in a lot of countries there is um, quite good public medical care or there are waiting lists you can go on or there's support available Um, so really just um I would say it can be a challenging journey, but it can also be a rewarding journey with answers. And I would encourage you to pursue it as soon as possible if you are thinking there might be something up. And with something like endo, there's kind of a a world, a whole world of stuff you can be doing to support it. And it's not a death sentence and is definitely something to be managed. And it is something that shows up completely differently for everyone. But, you know, there there is a wealth of knowledge and experience, even though that is growing. And as we, again, as we talk about, like it's under under recognized, under diagnosed, under researched, but that is changing. Um, and there is a whole bunch of stuff um, we talk about in the episode kind of, you know, the gold standard for endodiagnosis and treatment is laparoscopy surgery. Um, but there are also ways that you can support it kind of with. Um, nutrition and supplements and exercise movement um, pelvic floor physio um, in psychology um, kind of massage and other pain relief Um, so there is a whole bunch of stuff and for me it's like better than the not knowing and better than uh, being in pain so uh, on that note we're going to talk a whole bunch about our experiences with endo. Again, really vastly different experiences. Um, we're going to talk about a lot. Uh, we'll talk a lot about kind of bleeding and periods. So, you know, if you're a little bit uh, tender in terms of uh, hearing about those things, then perhaps this is not the right uh, place for you. Uh, or maybe it is. And maybe you'll kind of get to be a bit more comfy and, and know a bit more. Um, but, yeah, we do talk, um, you know, quite openly about um, what it is to be someone who bleeds. So uh, be warned. Uh, again, just keep in mind, it's our experience. We're not medical professionals. Always consult your doctor. Uh, what else can I say to you guys? Um, yeah, I think that's that's pretty much it. Uh, let's jump into this episode with Hannah Lisa Kitchen, all about the experience of having endometriosis. Mm-hmm. 
we start with talking about kind of the diagnosis for you? Like, how did that, um, how did you know you had endo, I guess is the question. Mm, it's funny because I, it's never been mentioned to me, mm. ever. Um, I had struggled, well, I'd struggled since I started. I was 11 years old, so I'd always had problems. I'm with you, girl, yeah. And I'd been on various they tried me on various pills and all these kinds of things. and But that was kind of just, I was a, I would just have them bad. That was what I thought. I just have them bad. Mm. Um, and then when I went to college, when I went to music conservatoire, I still had them really bad. But again, I just kind of thought that was my deal. That yeah. was just what I had. What did bad look like for you? Um bad for me so by the time I got to college like at least one thing the contraception had done the pills had done was to like regulate Mm. but um bad for me was um excruciating pain Mm. um very very heavy bleeding yeah like kind of you know pads and everything else and pants and double pads and never wearing like a light coloured trouser. Yeah, totally. <laughs> <laughs> like just don't take the risk. Totally. Um but also you know, faint not fainting. I fainted a couple of times later on. Mm. But but uh dizziness, nausea, all that. But again, it's weird. I just took it that that was me having bad periods. I would get a lot of swelling, I would just feel awful all the time Mm. um and one of the things that is kind of thrown about a little bit is that for me because I was a I've always been kind of a curvy girl but I was big when I was at conservatoire I was big girl Mm. and one of the things that had been said was oh well your your problems are probably because you're big oh god (laughs) which now you're like "Mm -hmm." but at the time I thought okay so so for a number of other reasons, I decided when I was in my final year at college that I wanted to change things and I was going to change my, you know, my lifestyle. And I lost a lot of weight um, between the age of about 24 and about 26. Mm-hmm. And it got worse. So wow. at least I was vindicated yeah. <laughs> that my size was not the problem. It may have contributed, but not to the endometriosis. No, and what a thing to be like having to sort of self-gaslight, self-blame for as well, just mm -hmm. being like, yeah, that just breaks my heart. Keep keep going. (laughs) But I know, but I think, but it's interesting, Mm. we can talk about that. I think that's done, I think that's a lot. I think that is one of the things that needs to change about it because Mm. women are made to feel that it must be something that they are doing or it must be something that their body is doing. Yep. And it's just, it's mad. And so, you know, once I discovered that that wasn't the case and before I moved to London, things had started to take a huge turn. So I was really struggling with pain. I developed new pains. I've got pains like in the top of my thighs that Mm. I couldn't explain. And I had pain in the pelvic bone like the only way I can describe it is like anywhere that your like bikini is Mm -hmm. I was having pain that would literally take my legs out from under me while I was walking oh my god 
and and it would come out of nowhere and I you know I have a very strong pain women generally have a strong pain threshold oh yeah oh yeah but I I had a really strong pain threshold and I knew it Mm. so when it got to things like I couldn't bear it Mm. I thought oh something isn't right but I nobody it wasn't fibroids no polycystic ovaries was mentioned to me while I was at college Mm. um again because I was overweight and I have kind of I have uh, problems with skin sometimes and all these things so they checked me for that and I did have cysts but not enough that would warrant having polycystic ovaries so that was scrapped um but nothing was mentioned to the point where a GP in Manchester, a female GP, said to me, but you do just realise that periods are painful. Oh! Mm-hmm. Oh my and I, God. And a, I mean, what? for a GP, end of, but for a female GP, I was like... Oh, my oh. God. And I vowed at that point not to, to get anything done while I was in Manchester. Well, not with that GP anyway. Oh my god! You know, the more I talk about this with people, the more I hear bullshit like that. Like someone was telling me the other yeah. day that her GP was like, um, "Oh, um, well, I've I've had friends that have been offered like, um, oh, well, maybe just get antidepressants because you seem like you're a bit anxious." Someone else okay. um, was told, uh, "Oh, you're just a hypochondriac um, and oh. you worry about your health too much." Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, just I mean, just add it to the list, baby. So. <laughs> I was asked, I was asked, did I have the option to get pregnant? (laughs) Oh, dear. Because that is viewed as one of the ways to potentially, well, obviously to stop it while you're pregnant, but to potentially, there's a a theory from what I understand that because of the hormonal overhaul that your body goes through as a pregnant woman, that some people do not struggle with it after pregnancy. Now, yeah. I don't know enough about it, um, but maybe you, you would know. Yeah, I mean, it. I think what's interesting is that because, I mean, I'll say more about my story later, but... Um, yeah. But kind of in as we're talking about this, it's like um, from what I understand, it's it's because I guess I mean I'm just really paraphrasing this in a in a very non medical uh-huh. way, but because you've got that the progesterone that's heightened like for the in- entirety of a pregnancy, um, yeah. and there's I guess like the balance of that and estrogen, and I think estrogen maybe can contribute to I don't know if it's chicken or egg, but contribute to Mm. like the estrogen cycling around your body or whatever can contribute to um endo but the difficulty of saying something like that to someone i mean it's multi-layered but to saying you know Mm. is an option to get pregnant it's like it's not as easy as that like it's quite it's Mm -hmm. very difficult to fall not for everyone but often it is difficult to fall pregnant with endo Mm -hmm. um because Mm -hmm. everything i mean i guess depending where it is and the extent of it but kind of like the whole pelvic bowl is dealing with this like inflammation invader and again like this is very like paraphrased and not medical terms but just like but i like that the inflammation invader i like that yeah (laughs) yes and it just like it doesn't create a super nice environment so you know and in addition to that to say to someone hey is it possible for you to get pregnant like it's sort of it's unless your GP knows you super well or you're at a fertility yeah. specialist, like it's not necessarily like 
the reason why you want to be choosing to be pregnant and it may not be something that you want to do then or ever it might not be the right timing like it's not a reason to have a baby it's such an antique way of thinking yeah and i just and i and i remember being like no and then it's so when i moved down to london i had to register with a new gp and i said you know i would like to explore things a little bit here so i went Mm. and i uh went to a, a gynecologist and I had some scans done and they discovered that I had fibroids. Ah. And what I scan thought, did you do oh, out of interest? Like, did you do like a deep, sorry? what scan did you do? Did you do a deep ultrasound or like just a sort of, I know I there had are an abdomin- I had an abdominal ultrasound for the first one. Okay, yeah. Um, where the, the fibroids were quite obvious. And I kind of just, in my ignorance, went, oh, well, that's probably the problem. Hmm. And I went to my GP, who is brilliant here, and I said, oh, well, I'm sure it's that. And he said, well, no, your problems aren't consistent with everything that a fibroid brings. So you have more problems than a fibroid would suggest. Yeah, right. Good on you. But still, but still, it wasn't mentioned. What? (laughs) Oh, my God. It's absurd. I mean, we're only talking 2014. Wow. So I was speaking with my auntie who used to be a nurse and she'd kind of bandied the word around and I Googled it and it was like that cliche of a light bulb. And I went, oh, <laughs> totally. <laughs> I have everything. I yeah. have everything. Yeah. And I went to my next uh, kind of consultant appointment and it, I had a female registrar who was brilliant. Mm. and I said you know I've been speaking with my aunt who was a nurse and she said ah interesting what have you come up with I said I think I have endometriosis and she said I think you probably do as well and that was the first time um and that was when I was referred for the for the first surgery because it's very difficult to diagnose it without surgery yes that's a really Um, good thing to mention actually like that's what I kind of learned as well like it's the gold standard like I know people that have been able to get what here in Australia is called a deep ultrasound, which I didn't even yeah, know about. Yeah, you can get them over here. You can get them over here Yeah, as well. right. And I think it's so important to note the difference because when I was originally maybe like five years ago told by a GP, I said, oh, my period's are really terrible, whatever. Oh, yeah, go get a, a fucking lady scan or whatever she called it, something mm-hmm. stupid, yeah. like which is sort of the abdominal one. As you say, it can show up some things, but for me yeah. it wasn't able to show up endo but then I know that for other people in my life they were then able to get a referral for a deep ultrasound which is more comprehensive um yeah it's called called, called a pelvic ultrasound over here okay yeah yes that makes sense and you go to like a a particular specialist that does these and looks out for endo Mm -hmm. and I know people that have been able to find it that way but for me, it was really like at the point where it was like, okay, look, our gold standard here is having a laparoscopy. So yeah. sort of if anyone's like, oh, what's that? Basically, it's just like for me it was four incisions, like belly button, pubic bone, um, left and right sides, like tiny, like a centimetre. Yeah, right. And it's so rare that they really have to do anything. Like they don't have to do like a C-section cut for most people, do they? Like it's really yeah. – I'm sure that's called something else, but you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah, I can't remember what that's called, but yes, they, they they don't ever. I mean, they will for some, but if if in certainly in the first 
surgeries one has to go through mm. it, it, they do it as much as they can they do it by a, a laparoscopy yes so that was your first surgery that like they booked you in for that and were like let's check it out kind of thing yeah yeah and I was quite lucky I say lucky I said to them look I'll go on they put me on the waiting list in about the July or something of 2014 mm-hmm. and I said if there's cancer they said you want to go on a cancellation list and I said yeah I'm happy to go on a cancellation list so in the September of 2014 I was starting at the National Opera Studio in London mm. And I got a phone call three days before I was due to start (laughs) saying, can you come in for surgery next week? So I did three days at the opera studio. (laughs) And then I went and had my first surgery um, and returned to the studio four days later. Wow. That's massive. Can I ask what um, that first surgery was like for you as an experience? Looking back on it now, having had further surgeries, mm. I I thought it was, I thought it was pretty good. Mm, I look back on it now and think it wasn't that great, but I think that's just because my body had never experienced anything like it before. Interesting. I'd never had surgery. I'm very fortunate. I'd never, you know, I'd never really been unwell or needed surgery or hospital treatment, um, and. It was, you know, they. it was a fairly reasonably long procedure. It wasn't awful. It was a couple of hours, but they found a lot of endometriosis and they cleared it all. Mm. So I thought it wasn't that bad, but I, you know, I was on various antibiotics and things just to prevent any infection. Also, because I'm quite stubborn <laughs> <laughs> um, and I wanted to get back to the studio, mm. I kind of went through it but I realize now having had my further surgeries or certainly the second surgery where the recovery was much easier that my body just wasn't well equipped for that first surgery I didn't know what to expect at all um Mm. saying that it was fine it wasn't a traumatic it wasn't more traumatic than I would have expected I literally went in in the morning I had it done I came home that evening wow um but it's it's tricky it's a weird it's a weird surgery to have and and it's 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 in a way you feel very validated because you've had this surgery and something has been you it's your worries and your struggle that you've been through for what 17 years yeah. have been validated yeah yeah but you, it's also this realization that you have a condition that's not really going to improve mm. um you know, it's it's going to be there with you all the time. I found that quite tricky, but then I went back to, to singing, and then and you kind of you just learn to deal with it. Then, but it was it was a lot, and they found a lot, and they found it. And I had it. Where did I have it? I had um, on my bladder, on my bowel, mm. um, on the outside of my uterus, on my ovaries. Um, rather delightfully, I had it on my rectum as well. <laughs> I love it, <laughs> which is lovely. Um, <laughs> And yeah, so that was, they found it in the first one. But in a way, it was kind of just, it was a relief, really, to yeah. get it done. Yeah, totally, totally. And I know what you mean as well about that relief of almost being vindicated, being like, oh, there is something there. Because for me, it was this weird period between someone saying, I'm pretty sure you have it, and me doing yeah. the same thing. Oh, this feels like a shopping list of my symptoms. Um, Mm -hmm. when I got the like endometriosis Australia brochure or whatever. Um, and I was like, 
oh, that makes sense. Um, but it was yeah. this weird period of going, okay, well, now I need to wait for surgery. And I'm kind of going, well, my brain was like, well, what if they don't find anything? Like, I'll be really embarrassed. And I was like, what yeah, the hell? Yeah. If they well, didn't find anything, it's... that would be great. But also if they yeah. find something that is great and they will be able to treat it. Like, But I think that's, I think that's a bit of it's, – it's a problem that's been bred by – you know, being a, a person who can have periods, yeah. you know, you you are kind of just made to believe that they aren't very nice things and, you know, why would it be easy to have them and, and all this? And so you do think, mm. well, what if there isn't anything wrong and what if this is just me not being able to cope with something? Yeah, what if all those idiot doctors were right who said that I was a hypochondriac <laughs> or aren't periods meant to be bad? And you're like, hang on, I suspect that, like, from what I've learned mm-hmm. since then, they're, they're meant to be maybe a bit unpleasant. They're not meant, like, you are not meant to feel pain and certainly not extreme pain. Like, that's, it's no. it's not a thing. Like, if you're listening no. going, oh, yeah, but maybe. Like, it's not really a thing, you know? No, I mean, I've, since, since I was diagnosed, I have met women as well who've gone, I don't have... I don't have any pain. Like, I, it, it's interesting. Like I know, weird, there's, huh? There's such a spectrum of people. Yeah. And I think the way we talk about our own pain, like I know to my healthcare practitioners or whatever, I'd be like, oh, look, it's like, yeah, it's painful, but, like, it's not, Um, I'm not just dying. Like, and you're uh-huh. like, hang on. Like, I, 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 my sort of first period after surgery, I was like thinking it would be really terrible because I've had general anesthetic before or surgeries for other uh. things and, I would have a really bad period after surgery or general. Right. And I'd be like, oh, my God, it's like I've killed a man between my legs. Like that's very visceral, <laughs> listeners, but that's fine. You know, and I was expecting that. And then I got this period. And I remember like saying to my specialist, is this what it's been like for other women? Like I'm not like I have always had like such low iron levels, even though I've like yeah. supplemented and like, you know, Mm-hmm. eaten like well to to have iron blah blah like all of this stuff and I was like I'm not bleeding out anymore but I had been like yeah. oh I guess my pain is okay and I guess like mm-hmm. I'm not it's not that heavy because I'm not like the rule was like oh how are you going through a pad every hour or something and I was like well it's not that much and then I was like oh like this is vastly different like yeah. This is I, – I couldn't believe. I couldn't believe, like, yeah. oh, this is what a period is like. Almost like, instant. Almost instant. Literally. And, and it lasted – I mean, for me, it lasted yes. a good year. Interesting. I was going to um, ask you about that. How did it sort of progress after that in terms of, like, kind of coming back or, like, symptoms getting better or worse? Because you said they kind of cleared it all, right? Yeah, they cleared it all out. And it was – I think what they considered so – Again, no medical expertise at all, but there's, I think, four stages of endometriosis uh, in terms of severity. And my first surgery was, if I remember, I think it was was stage one or stage two, but it was, I think it was stage one. Mm -hmm. So it was kind of like spots, like dirty spots is what it looks like when you look at the pictures. That's so Um, so interesting. Yeah. And they lasered that off and got rid of it and... They said to me, um, did they say it during the first? No, that was the second. But they they said, you, you know, you'll need to control this um, medically because it will come back without medical control. And I was 
bit furious because I tried so many pills mm. before and they never worked very well for me. I think my body is just not one that's built for hormones. So I, um, but I did. So I, I waited. While I didn't have any symptoms, I just stayed on supplements and good diet and yeah. I was working and it was fine. Mm. And then about a year, almost to the kind of week after the surgery, I started to get symptoms again and I thought, oh, okay. So I went back to the doctor and they said, now would probably be a good time to go on a pill. And I said, but I'm, I'm nervous because pills just don't work. They yeah. said, well, why don't we try you on a progesterone only pill? Mm. And I said, okay, that's fine. And they said, we, we would like you to run run it together for three months. And the idea is that, you know, you will give your body time to heal. So I tried, and I tried really, really hard. And mm. I lasted about, I think I lasted two months. And I was bleeding all the time. And I wasn't, mm. I wasn't, it hadn't done its job. But yeah. I, I'd stuck with it. But I was bleeding, and I was in a lot of pain. And I made the decision that if I'm bleeding anyway, why am I on it? Yeah. Um, and I came off it, and it was one of the most difficult experiences. Uh, it was like coming off a drug, like a drug drug. It was very wow. odd. I had almost a withdrawal. Wow. Very odd. Mm. Um, now, this is just my experience. Not yeah, everybody yeah. has the same experience. I think that's also important to know that, not one person I've spoken to about this has had the same experience. Well, what you said as well about like bodies responding differently to hormonal, like it's, you know, it's where like, oh, great, the pill, hooray, contraception, feminism, yeah. totally agree with that. But yeah, also we are putting hormones into our bodies. Like it is, it's going to have a response. And that's another thing I think that doctors are like, well, maybe you're imagining you feel like this on the pill. And it's yeah. like, no, I'm not fucking imagining it. Like, yeah. You know, I think it's so it's so important for us, even as you say, like, oh, look, it's an individual response and everyone has a different response. But it's yeah. so important for us to say or and it's so important for us to say this is this was yeah. my experience, you know? Yeah, because I've tried. I, I've tried, you know, I've been on pills from the age of 12 mm. because wow. I was so heavy. My periods were so heavy when I was a little girl. Mm. So I've tried. Yeah. I've been on, I think, six different uh contraceptive pills I've been on a progesterone only pill and so I came off this progesterone only pill and then I went back to the doctors and said I've come off that and they said oh well we want you to try another one and I kind of went well okay how about we fix the problem that is underlying everything absolutely (laughs) absolutely so I looked I I picked up the prescription and I looked at I researched the, the tablet and it was exactly the same tablet as the one they'd given me before, just with a different name. Oh my god! <laughs> so I didn't. So I didn't take it, mm-hmm. and I asked to be referred back to my team, which was by by this point we were probably two years after the first surgery. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was referred back, and the uh, the doctor said, "You know, how's it going on this pill?" And I said, "It's not. I'm sorry, I'm not taking it." And initially. She looked at me very kind of disappointed. I said, I'm really sorry, but I said, they do not work for me. Mm. The whole idea of the whole idea of this is to stop me bleeding because the you know, the very act of bleeding is is contributing to mm. the, the serious
seriousness of the endo. I said, and I am not, it's not stopping for me. Mm. So why am I putting my body through all these challenges if it's not working? So she said, okay. Um, what I suggest then is uh, you try the Mirena coil. Um, because their logic was the closer to the problem the solution is, the, the better, and the fewer side effects, in theory, one should have. So the idea is if you take a tablet, it has to go through your whole system, right. so it's more likely to give side effects. Right. The coil being you know, inserted into the uterus... Ooh, it gives me the shivers. Right <laughs> I know, I know. But I said, look, I'm happy to do it, but I also think I probably probably have the endometriosis back again. Yeah. And she said, I think you do too. And she said, and I think we need to refer you for a second surgery. Um, and what we can do is we can put the marina coil there while you have the surgery. So I then went on the waiting list, which is epic. Mm. <laughs> um, so it was four years. Oh, no, I think I've, I've told you misinformation. I think I was two years without... Um, symptoms yeah right and then it was the third year and the fourth year and then it was the third year and the fourth yeah. year so after four years i had my second surgery mm-hmm. um was that with the same back. surgeon like the same team uh no it wasn't on that occasion i oh was it it was the same team but a different surgeon so it was yeah. the same trust but mm-hmm. a different surgeon um, and they found endometriosis again, and they found uh, I had some scarring that time, and I had some adhesions that time. So that one was considered, uh, I think, stage two. And they also, they said, your fibroids are still there, and they are going to need removing at some point mm-hmm. because they are growing. But they didn't do that in that surgery because that was a specific surgery for the endometriosis. Yeah, right. Um, so that was that and then I had the coil and again completely my experience but the coil was one of the most horrendous things I've ever experienced I've heard a few women say that actually yeah yeah and I've heard brilliant stories about it too and Mm. I've heard women have huge success and it's completely you know rid them of all their symptoms and it's been brilliant Mm. and I didn't want to be the person who turned down that opportunity to have that Mm. so you know when they give it to you they say oh you know just the first three months you'll you may experience bleeding and you probably will experience bleeding but it should settle down blah 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 so rightly for three months pretty much non-stop I bled oh god um which in itself or just seems like such a kind of <laughs> double standard. Yeah. The idea is not to bleed. and and. But I thought, okay, maybe the result will be worth it. But then for a year after that, I effectively bled two and a half weeks out of every month. Oh, my gosh. And I was very unwell. I was very unhappy. Mm. I was having my symptoms all the time. And the hormonal stress of being on, being in this weird kind of menopausal state that is what the Mirena basically does. Yeah, yeah. But also constantly bleeding. <laughs> my body had no clue and my voice had no clue. And that oh, was yeah. the problem. Yeah. Because 
it was very, my voice was healthy and I didn't have any problems and I'm very lucky with that and I have a fantastic teacher who was able to kind of tell me things are okay, things are mm. fine, but my body and everything about my instrument was just so freaked out and my yeah. brain and I was so tired mm. and it was getting, it was like, it was awful, like I was going to auditions and not being able to stand up and I was doing gigs and not being able to it was just horrendous and I went to the surgeon again to inquire about the possibility of having the fibroids removed and and you know maybe it was the fibroids that were causing this problem and I went back and he said well I think they need removing but I also it sounds to me like your endometriosis is growing again and this was a year and a half after the previous surgery oh god and I was like what's the point of this coil yeah yeah why am I why am I going through this unbelievable stress Mm, mm. so I asked to be put back on the waiting list for another surgery and I had the coil removed Mm -hmm. um immediately and the week after having the coal removed, I have never experienced anything like it. I was, I mean, I just, bled. I almost had to get kind of, there's a medication, I can't remember what it's called, where you, to stop you bleeding. Mm. Um, but I immediately felt better and my hormones started to uh, balance and my voice started to calm down and everything started to calm down. But I was in agony. Um And I waited then, unfortunately, I waited for another 11 months, I think, because unfortunately with COVID... Oh, yes. Everything, everything non-urgent, rightly so, was put on the back burner. Um, So eventually, in November 2020, I had my third surgery, and they removed three fibroids, one of which weighed, um, what was it? They weighed half a kilo, so it weighed a pound. (laughs) Yeah, and and what's interesting is it had doubled in size in that year that I'd had the coiling. Um, I don't know if that's any relation, I don't know if it relates, but I had, so I had this one that was a pound and then I had these two others, but they're about half. And I had some endometriosis, not as much as previous. Yeah, interesting. But I have a feeling that my cycle is about four years for a surgery. Mm. So it was kind of interrupted. Mm-hmm. Uh, which makes me think, oh, at some point in the not too distant future, there's probably going to be another one. Um, mm. But that surgery was horrendous because that surgery took five hours nearly. Wow. Um, yeah, that was big. And it wasn't nobody, not even the surgeon. was. I was very lucky with my surgeon, but nobody was expecting it to be that long because it was just they didn't know what they were faced with. Well, and um, that was because so the of surgery, the fibroids that had grown. Yeah, so much? that was because of the fibroids because it was laparoscopic. Of course, they yeah. they would take they had to get you know bring everything out through these tiny oh, little yes. holes. And, um, and so Ooh. it was that was a very very difficult. But luckily, I say luckily because of COVID, I didn't have anything on, yeah. so I didn't have to push myself to recover because with the two previous surgeries, I was in. I was at the studio and then I was in a contract Mm. Um, and I pushed myself 
yeah wisely but I did it to go back makes a Um, big difference I reckon like at least just in my experience yeah totally but it was um so that was the that was the last one that was and and since then I've said I've said no to hormonal treatment and no one's actually no one's asked me about it but I think that's also because COVID has taken over uh, the the priority which is as it should be Mm. um but I've not had hormones I don't want them and I've kind of been looking at supplements and yeah um varying forms of therapy for it and and it's been okay up until again up until about a year after the surgery and it's now it's rearing its ugly head again now so I think I've got myself back with a a gynecological team to kind of start getting more scans done just to see what's going on but it's this is one of the hard things about it It, it's it's never ending really Mm. And it's difficult, but it's, you know, that's my, that was my journey with it. And I, I suspect there's more to come, but it's amazing now seeing how, how much more awareness there is of it, even now com- compared to when I had my first surgery, yes. which was what, eight years ago. Like that's what blows my mind so much is to see kind of, um, even in my own like answers seeking mission. And I really, I only got my diagnosis, which I'll talk more about, but I only got my diagnosis sort of mid last year. And Mm -hmm. to notice the difference from when I started really asking questions to gynecologists, to GPs, to now, like someone described it to me um, as it's it's where um, something like breast cancer diagnosis was 10, 20 years ago, is that there just wasn't the, as far as I, I know and have heard, like there just wasn't the awareness. And this person was describing that they used to treat all breast cancer the same. And it kind yeah. of was like, you have breast cancer, this is the treatment. Um, right. And now they're understanding, oh, there are different types of this or it behaves differently or there are different ways we can treat it. We don't have to go to extreme or the different stages or whatever. And mm. apparently endo is having that same kind of um you know, awakening discovery. Uh, information, yeah. discovery. Yeah. yeah. And it's so like, for me, it is such a, um, you know, it's such a feminist issue. Like it's such an issue yeah. of um, women's bodies or, or people who bleed, like people who have a yeah. uterus, you know, and it, it is yeah. such an issue of that. Um, and yeah. this whole idea, like I just wrote on my page here, like gaslighting, like that whole idea yeah. that along the journey, it's like we gaslight ourselves. Like part of my journey was like, well, uh, why is my period bad this month? Maybe it's because I did this or maybe it's because I didn't do this. Yeah. or And that was without even having any sort of a diagnosis. It was just 19 years of a terrible period, really, from day yeah, what one. Have I done, what have I done wrong? What have I done? Exactly. Maybe it's because I ate that chocolate or I had a glass of wine. Mm-hmm. Like it was so – I was like I must – manage my body and like I feel sort of proud that I I guess had the awareness to go okay this is what helps my body this is what hinders it but holy shit it's like such a burden to be going I don't know why I just am like you know someone that I love described it to me who has endo 
um, and just recently got diagnosed, she was like, I just thought I was a weak bitch this whole time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which I just thought was just so thought funny. I, was, I just thought I couldn't cope with it. Yeah, totally. And like it's then, you know, I was always someone who was like, I would get terrible, terrible gut pain if I would try and go for a run. And I was like, why can everyone yeah. else seem to just go for a run and I'm just weak? And like all uh-huh. this self-judgment instead of being like actually like, I tried to go for a run and before I even got puffed, I felt like I was going to faint and I got yeah. like cold sweat and was shivering and had to sit down for 15 minutes. Like, okay. you know, it's, um, yeah, it's wild sort of things we tell ourselves. But I think if women knew that, it, that one in 10 women have it, which is the mm, case, mm. I think if women knew that they would begin to question earlier. Yes. I think if people, well, if, if people who are able to have periods, if they were more informed that there is this condition yeah. that one in ten women have that yeah. may affect you, totally, you you will start the journey to to discovery earlier because they reckon it's on average they reckon it's seven years until oh diagnosis. And this was crazy. I remember reading that statistic while it was just a little like tickle in my mind of it just kept coming back and I. People around me were talking about it and I thought, I just have this weird feeling and I just wish I'd trusted my weird feeling sooner. Like I'm normally pretty like kind of intuitive, but with this, it was just years of like, as I say, like kind of like low level to high level gaslighting um, of myself and of others. But, you know, my intuition was something's up here and when people talk about this, this kind of resonates with me and I sort of want to know more. So if there's anyone out there thinking that, then, I mean, we can talk all about like how do you kind of go about getting a diagnosis um, and sort of Uh treatment and stuff. But, you know, if if there's anyone thinking that, it's like I would just highly encourage people to listen to that because honestly I really think um I really think that that sense of intuition with our bodies with our period having bodies um that there is a really deep sense of like you know it it sounds a bit woo woo but like we cycle with the freaking moon like of yeah. course there's going to be a sense of like, um, you know, if we're regular, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, we have a cycle. Yeah. Like our body has this knowing. And I think that we're kind of divorced from that. And especially if it's been, you know, like I, like you, was was on the pill for many years. Again, woohoo, yeah. contraception, feminism, freedom. Yeah. 100%. There's also this other side to it, which was like that for me, like kind of masked symptoms for a long time. Yes. and you yeah. know, masked what was really going on. So I really feel now it's like, okay, let's get to the bottom of this, even if that is challenging and hard and you have to go and see five specialists. And I also recognize that may not be within people's means to do that. But I think often there is, I mean, I don't know about the US particularly, but I think often yeah. there is great medical care and great public systems. And it's just about finding the right person and just, asking and asking and asking um i mean on that note like what would your kind of perspective be on if people have a bit of a niggling suspicion whether it's endo or fibroids or there's another thing that's worth mentioning called i think it's called adenomyosis and it's kind of like of the different like version of endo i don't know if i'm getting that right but it's something that yeah yeah. I, i don't i don't know the ins and outs of it but yes it's commonly associated with it yeah i think it's so worth mentioning because it's like if it's like oh you don't have endo and it's like but you could have this quite similar thing and so, mm-hmm. yeah, that's worth mentioning. But if people have a sort of niggling feeling in their mind, what would your perspective be on, on, I guess, 
finding out more for people? My argument would be if you if you don't have it, that's great. Mm. It might just be that you are a person who has unfortunately difficult periods. It might be that you know maybe you do have a lower pain threshold than than normal, but it might also be that you have it. Yeah. And unfortunately, at, at this moment in time. There are, it's a very limited way of diagnosing, which is really the surgery. Mm. You know, as, as, a, as a general thing, the surgery, they will, I think even if you have the pelvic ultrasound, they ultimately are going to have surgery to remove it. Mm. So often there's going to be a surgery included. But my, my suggestion would be to start the process because... It's a long process. Yeah. And I don't know about Australia, but particularly in the UK, the waiting list for NHS is very, very, is very tricky. They're long. Yeah. Um, and at the moment, it's not a priority surgery. So start the process, find a team, write, my, write everything down, write all your symptoms, write symptoms that you think, I wonder if that's a weird symptom. Yeah, like that's a me, great point. For me, like, I was having issues with, I would um, not be able to go to the toilet very well, mm-hmm. and I would also have problems with needing to wee immediately. Yeah, yeah. And it was go from zero to hero in, in <laughs> just immediately, and it was like, I'm fine, oh no, I need to get to a bathroom right now, yeah. else I'm going to urinate. <laughs> yeah. Um, and you don't think of that necessarily as a as a symptom, but I would if there are things like that, you know, uh, pain in areas that you're not used to, or if you get dizzy, or if you get I get very very hot, my temperature would just soar, mm. like not fever, but I would just be incredibly hot. Um, write them down, research. There's lots of forums, and I found a lot of good information. Sometimes I, I don't ever really advise kind of googling stuff but <laughs> but forums for endometriosis i i have found useful because a lot of women who have it write on them yeah uh, you know there's not really much reason for a woman to write on a, a forum about endometriosis unless they have it or think they have it mm. um, or a doctor mm. and and so i found some useful information uh, I found some comforting information. Um, for instance, with me, when it was about the coil, I felt very kind of, oh, I think I'm the only person that this isn't working for. And I went on this forum and there was a lot of uh, ladies saying the same thing. that It just hadn't worked for them. Yeah. But then there are, you're comforted by because you see other women say, oh, it worked for me, but maybe it's just not right for you. And so read information don't necessarily i mean all the official information is great but i don't know if you notice that when you read like let's say you google endometriosis and you come up with five websites it's all word for word the same information yeah it is isn't it it really word is word. um and that's great because it's giving you the main facts but there's a lot about it that isn't explored yeah. and you know, I, I speak, I've, I know now quite a few people with it. I also know people who uh, got tested for it and didn't have it, but they found other things. That would be, if you, if 
we know our bodies very, very well. Mm. Um, especially for those of your listeners who are singers or mm-hmm. actors or dancers who yeah. are used to accessing their body. It, that is such or, a good point, yeah. You know, we know we know our bodies. We know yeah. our, we're used to looking after our bodies because our bodies are our job. Yeah. And if you if you think something isn't right, you know, if you didn't think something, if, if you had a problem with your voice or you had a problem with your legs, if you were dancing, you would go straight away and get it looked at. Mm. Um, if you have something going on there that you are not sure of, my suggestion would always be just just explore. It might not come back with anything. And, and, that might, and that's okay too, but it, it might bring up something. And the earlier you can catch this thing, the better, because there is going to be a journey with it. Mm. You know, I've had three surgeries. I don't envisage it being all. I envisage there being more. Mm. Um, and it's much better now than it was, the awareness and the, and the, uh, you know, the exposure that it's getting. And But it's still a huge, huge struggle. And yeah. there are people trying to raise, you know, raise awareness. And there are people really fighting very hard for it but it's still massively underexplored and massively under discussed um so i i I strongly advise that you just just start the journey yeah i couldn't i could not agree more and it's like it's interesting with stuff like um endo because it's it's often associated uh with or discovered um because of like fertility struggles which was absolutely my experience um but that it's people then go oh damn well if if i'm not um if someone suggests look it might be endo and i'm not really ready to have a baby just yet or you know i really want to in in three years or five years maybe i'll just wait I really feel yeah. the same as that, look, this is probably going to be a bit of a journey. Even if it's not dramatic and terrible, it might just be like, okay, you've got to kind of wait to get in for surgery or there's a public waiting list or even if you go private, like there is there is still a wait um, or, yeah. you know, surgeries are delayed because of COVID or whatever's going on in the world. Yeah. Like I would just say that getting onto it and knowing what you're dealing with and treating it and not being in that amount of pain like that yeah. will be life-changing as I said even it, you know I had my got my first period after surgery and yeah. I then was like oh my god I once I'd recovered from the surgery or whatever I, I, I was going for runs I was like oh yeah. my god I can jog for 20 minutes and not feel like I, I need to die like it, yes. it was life-changing and I think I, I completely um completely agree with and want to emphasize that idea of just like get on the journey straight away and yeah. also at least in my experience if someone is like mm, no nothing's up but you still feel like you know what i think something's up is just mm. go and get a second third fourth opinion like you know yeah. it's just um again which i acknowledge can be difficult for a number of reasons but you know yes. they're they're is mostly access to some really good healthcare, and it's not about getting the snazziest surgeon or the surgeon with the longest waiting yeah. list or it's it's just about someone that resonates with you and really listens to you and says right we want to find out what's going on here and for me it really worked that it was um a fertility specialist gynecologist 
who within minutes of seeing me was just like, this is what I think it is. Here's the brochure I think you need to have surgery, which was confronting for me after 19 years of this terrible, terrible bleeding that I was like, oh, like, are you sure? Like no one has said that to me that quickly. And I was, I kind of had like really, like literally a panic attack. I was like, what? You you mean to say that there might be something that's happening here? Like I couldn't, my nervous system couldn't quite process it. But Mm. once I'd processed that and I was like, look, I want to move ahead with this. I'm so glad I did because, you know, for me, I was able to get in on a cancellation pretty quickly and it was just before the a whole bunch of COVID lockdowns here. And I got in and I had um, stage two to three endo. And it was similar like back of my uterus, um, on top of my bowels. Thankfully, it hadn't gone through my bowels. Oh, another interesting thing to mention is that it can be quite, again, this is just my personal experience, but quite good to, like I had a colonoscopy, um, I'm going to say maybe eight months before my surgery um, because they'd wanted to check for, um, what's that thing called? A celiac. Come on in. Oh, yes. Um, Because I'd had – because a lot of the time endo symptoms, as far as I understand, can like sort of masquerade as IBS symptoms. Yes, Um, they can, yeah. Yeah, and that – I'd sort of had like, um, you know, on and off like blood in my stools. I'd had Uh – for me, I'd had painful periods, but it wasn't like – again, I I don't know if this is sort of the self-judgment of my pain and being like, oh, that's fine, but it'd be like I'd have a day or two where I was pretty flawed by it. But I wasn't mm-hmm. like I've had friends who were like doubled over in pain going to hospital. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it was bad, but it was like, you know, yeah, I guess, I don't know. It's so difficult to know. Like what's my experience of pain yeah. compared to someone else's? But there were times like I remember being in a costume fitting once on the first day of my period and I literally like I was seconds away from fainting and I'd fainted before mm-hmm. and I was like I have to just lie down on the ground for an hour. Like mm-hmm. – you know, running pain, yeah. like particular exercise pain, like gut pain, all of this kind of thing. Um, yeah. But, um, oh, so I'd had a colonoscopy um, because yeah. I'd also um, had a miscarriage kind of before that, um, which right. my heart goes out to anyone who's experienced that. It's pretty wild. Um, yeah. And like they have like, look, we sort of um, – we'll just investigate this because of your other associated symptoms. I think they don't investigate for sort of a little while otherwise. But, you know, I'd had the senior gut specialist, had a colonoscopy, and I was like, oh, kind of everything's all right here. And that was a bit of a bummer because I was like, oh, damn, like, well, what's going on then? Mm -hmm. And But then how it panned out when I saw the specialist, the gynecologist, fertility specialist, I was so grateful I'd had that investigation, I'd had the colonoscopy because she said, look, with the symptoms you're describing, because it is like referring into the gut, this pain, and, you know, there's blood in the stools or whatever, like it's on occasion, like on and off kind of my whole life. Um, She was like, we have to kind of rule out that it's not gone through your bowels, um, like to the other side of your bowels, because that would involve like a bowel resection in a lot of cases. And that was freaky because I was like, what? Yeah. But I had thankfully had the colonoscopy. So she was like, look, we can pretty much rule out that it's done that because we would have seen it in the colonoscopy. You would have seen it in there. Okay. Yeah. Which is, I think, worth mentioning. So, like, you know, in regards, like, you know, regards what we're talking about, um, in regards to what we're talking about, about the kind of whole 
you know, investigative journey. Don't be too disheartened if you're like, okay, I'm just going to try a bunch of avenues and Uh different specialists and different approaches. Like if you feel like something is up, just keep going. Like, you know, Uh because for me, I was like, oh, well, it's not that. I guess it's just fine and I guess we'll just sort of keep trying to conceive, which is just, you know, heart-wrenching at the best of times, let alone when you're like, what are all these weird symptoms? And for me, I was kind of – I'd always spotted kind of mid-cycle and all these Uh other – random things but doctors had always been like oh you sort of had this scan and you know it's not that heavy or it's not that painful and yet I was like Mm -hmm. this is weird man like this is this shouldn't be happening so in a way it's like I you know I am glad I pushed for the fertility specialist probably sooner than they would have said oh once you've been trying for this amount of arbitrary time like just my advice would be don't whether it's fertility or endo or anything else going on in your body, just don't say like, oh, I'm just going to wait to this arbitrary time period. Like if you are able to and you have access to the healthcare, then just say actually, you know what, something is up here. And just, you know, because I really, I think it's so like, I, I just don't think I've heard a story about a woman who's like, you know, at least in the women I've talked to about this stuff, who's like, yeah, and it turns out they tested everything and I was totally fine. And if that's it, then great. You've just got all these boxes ticked. And then you can say, okay, well, you know, can I help myself out by other means? And, like, it's also, I think, worth mentioning that there are some really good ways to support yourself with endo. And, like, as you've mentioned, like, kind of um, nutrition and exercise and supplements and the biggest thing that was emphasized to me is i remember reading this in the brochure being like these things can help however they will not cure your endometriosis and yes maybe there's some people out there that are like yes but i cured it with um you know the the grace of fairy dust and celery sticks but that's not (laughs) been my experience you know and i prefer like a a well-rounded approach and it's like cool if we can have surgery and we need to have surgery, then let's just fix this damn thing. And there are so many like advances in surgery. Like even I think mine was incised off rather than lasered off. And they're like, they're a bit of a second surgery. I had it, I had it incised off. Yeah. Interesting. That's, I reckon that's great to mention because if I think that I, again, I don't know, but I think that seems to be the way they treat it now. It's maybe a little more like precise in this case or whatever. Yeah, I think it depends on the state. So, so like I said, the, like the best way I can describe with me, the first surgery, which was the stage one, two, was when they showed me the pictures. It looks kind of just like mold. <laughs> the best way I can, it looked like mold. Yeah. So there's not really a a physical like three D thing at that level mm. to to get rid of. So they they will kind of scrape or laser. By the second surgery, I had kind of what I would describe as like I always think of it as if you were to eat off a plate and then not clean the plate <laughs> and then put food on it again and eat off it again and then not clean it the build-up that you have on this plate mm. that's what happens with this endo so by the time I had the second surgery I had a much more physical I had adhesions I had my left ovary was quite stuck down I had mm-hmm. scarring I had things that needed to be severed and removed rather than just ablated which is mm. with a laser so there are varying ways it also depends on the surgeon it, it, it some surgeons do ablation with laser some don't yeah um so yes there are there are different types 
um, of, of things. They, there's, I think there's a, there's a robotic thing as well that they do, but I don't know much about that one. Um, so clever, but, oh my yeah, God. There, there's, it's, it's amazing what they can do, but I think it's just... I think it's just really important to tell people that it's not okay to be in pain. Yeah. And I think it's so easy for women or for, for, for people who have uteruses and who bleed mm-hmm. to be allowed to feel that we are, that, that it's, we have to, you know, we all, we do, we have these menstrual cycles and there is, an element of you going, of course, I understand that this is probably not going to be very comfortable. The process in itself is not a very nice process. <laughs> there is blood coming out of me. Yeah. <laughs> you are literally, you know, you are shedding, but that's, but that's, you know, and that's okay to, to be able to accept that that's not going to be pleasant. But to be in pain and to, to struggle and to not be able to do your job or to not be able to just socialize is not okay. Yeah. And nobody can tell you nobody can tell you that it is not your family not your friends not mm-hmm. your doctor no one yeah can has has the right to say to you oh but it's just that's just normal even if you have endometriosis that's also not okay to be in pain yeah you know it's so so just doing everything possible one of the things i discovered again through a forum was something called pelvic physiotherapy oh my god i had that um, on my list to talk about i love it say more it's amazing eh? isn't it the yeah. best i love it and it's, it's weird <laughs> totally i had to be briefed depending by someone on, before i went in yeah exactly and and you know depending on what you need it for and what they're doing and, and you know it's it's a very it's the thing that you have to be confident to go for and because it's it's quite intimate um mm. depending on what you need it for um but that was a huge pain relief for me and that was a huge comfort to know that there are actually medical professionals who are specializing in physio for women who have endometriosis totally totally it, you know, and they're doing it also for pregnant women and women with chronic pain and, and women with all these different things. But women with endometriosis is literally on their list of people that they specifically treat. And that's a huge thing mm-hmm. to experience. And I, I now, unfortunately, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if we can access that on the NHS over here, but I did. I paid to go just to someone. Um, which, again, I realize is not possible for everybody. And I don't know if it's accessible for, for, for the, through the NHS or through other means. Mm. Um, so I realise it's not necessarily accessible for everybody, but that's another thing to think about. Also, I've never had it done um, with regards to the endo, but I've heard that acupuncture is fantastic as well. Yeah, I'm a big acupuncture fan. I think it, mm. it's about getting the right person, but I have found... Mm that to be something my body really responds to. And for some people it's like, you know, I know my partner is like, I I couldn't imagine anything worse. Like he just hates <laughs> needles. He'd be like just sweating. He'd be like, this is so stressful. But I have found that to be really helpful as well. Yeah, I've had it for, I've had it for um, uh, shoulder, like muscle, mm. like tension there, but I've never had it for that. But I, that, it didn't, it, I, I enjoyed it quite a lot actually, but I, I've heard very good things about that as a, as a, I don't know what the word would be, as a supplement, I guess, totally. towards helping you 
with endometriosis. Yeah, and that's a great word actually because I think it's like the whole approach. Like for me, it's a really um, – you know, having like a kind of like a well-rounded approach to it. And I'll link some stuff in the show notes, but, um, you know, speaking about, you know, getting a really good dietitian, like a really well-qualified, um, yeah. you know, dietitian or, you know, just finding that if like a lot of, a lot of people have free information, people have amazing like Instagrams. And again, just check that you're getting uh-huh. someone who's like good and qualified. Um, and I'll link to some, but just to kind of, there is so much great information available now. And again, without yeah. just being like, oh, holy shit, I had to do everything right. Just being like, what are the ways in which I can support myself or what feels like it helps me or what is accessible to me at the moment? Uh, worth mentioning as well that I know at least in Australia you can get um, this thing called – it's like a chronic disease management plan or something from your GP. And right. you can get um, – I think it's – five subsidized appointments per calendar year and you can have a team so you can um, have a dietitian and a pelvic floor physio and you get some of that appointment subsidized um wow that's great it's so amazing and it's like and it really recognizes okay this is a thing that is that you not only need to manage but it is possible to manage you know what i mean and and to live a life with this um Oh, also on the pelvic floor physio, um, in case anyone's wondering, like, what is pelvic floor physio or sometimes called women's physio or pelvic physio that it's like. So basically someone had to brief me that it's um, like often it is internal treatment. And obviously that can be really confronting for some people, but it's also well worth mentioning that they deal a lot. um, You know, they, they are, you know. I mean, get a recommendation for someone probably, um, yeah. but women's health physios, they, they tend to be pretty amazing and they deal a lot yes. with um, kind of even sexual trauma or um, physical yeah. pain, physical trauma. So they, it, it is, it's a sort of a, a thing that you have to really sort of wrap your head around. Okay. This is like internal treatment of my pelvic floor muscles yeah. often. And, and there's stuff they can do without that to my understanding as well. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. But they are really well trained in that space. So if you're someone that feels yeah. an aversion to that um, or you think you might feel embarrassed or you have trauma associated with that, like just do know that a lot of them, you know, in my experience, kind of everyone yeah. I've seen has really, it's a really safe space for that. Um, and yes. that a lot of the time, um, my physio was explaining this to me, that a lot of the time when you have a chronic pain condition like endo or anything kind of associated with that area, mm-hmm. the body, like she's like, the body basically has tensed up in response to feeling that pain all the time. So being able to release that in a physio way, in a muscular way can really support you in um, pain management and actually feeling less pain as well. Cause it's just this vicious mm-hmm. cycle, which I found yeah. so interesting and it's been really, really helpful. I think everyone, especially singers or voice users should go to a pelvic floor physio. <laughs> I agree because we use it so much yep. as, without even knowing, you know, if you do, I mean, I, I use it knowingly, but if we do use it without knowing and, and we use it as part of our everyday life and you don't, you don't necessarily realize how important it is until it's not easy to access it anymore. Completely, completely. Yeah. Oh, you know, and yes. I, I love it. But I also, I'm a big advocate, and again, I know this is kind of a, of a, a you know, hashtag first world problem, but <laughs> I um, I advocate massage hugely as well. Yeah. Because yeah. that 
that uh, emotional release and the physical release. Mm-hmm. Uh, the body holds so much, and I'm fully aware that a lot of the time that the pain is there, um, a lot of it, or a good portion of it, is the body's defense against the pain. Yeah, yeah, I know exactly what you mean. You know, so to massage, if, if you are a person who enjoys massage, I know I have several friends who hate it. But for me, and and I tend to go, not necessarily when I I have a period, but when I'm in a flare-up, there's something, it's excruciating, but also wonderful to have a massage at that point, because your body needs to learn how to relax and how to be able to release muscles and it, it's yeah. otherwise impossible yeah so so physical physical therapy or or pelvic physiotherapy or massage or anything i also <laughs> i bought myself a torture thing i bought myself a shakti mat oh is that um, one of those spiky mats yeah it's like the modern version of a bed of nails oh. um, <laughs> and i bought myself one of those uh, out of curiosity more than anything else, but I had read that that was also a useful tool um, for tension relief and pain relief at home. Now, it's not for the faint-hearted, <laughs> and it is, it's not the easiest thing to deal with, but I have to say, from my personal experience, I found a huge tension wow. release in it. that's so yeah. interesting. Yeah. Yeah. That is so interesting. Yeah. Isn't it um yeah. isn't it amazing like all of that I love talking to people who've experienced like chronic pain conditions and are dealing with it. It's like, "Oh my gosh, have you heard of this? Have you tried of this?" And it's just like yeah. it's so amazing to like have these conversations because it's just like, "Wow, there's all these different perspectives on how can I support my body? How can I listen to my body? How can I live within this?" You know what I mean? And some yeah. things it's just like, you know, whether it's um kind of medical or otherwise some things it's just like oh that is terrible for my body like you said some people are like i hate being massaged or like i hate acupuncture but it's just like if you're willing and able to kind of be able to sit in that space and be like deeply listen to like what works for my body for some people like me i love to meditate or love to when i'm in australia swim in the sea or even when you know when i'm in london i'm isn't it great like i was the girl like in freaking the middle of december in the outdoors covent garden pool just like in the snow being like swimming (laughs) like i'm that freak um but you know it's like finding what works for you i also for me i love yoga like i really notice a difference in my Mm -hmm. kind of wellness and pain and stuff when i'm just moving in that way so whatever it is for you like swimming yoga maybe some people like are like i can definitely run with endo but for me that was really prohibitive well it's it's funny that you said because i met with a a lady the other day so that i i I mentioned this to you briefly before we started recording that there was a, a, a singer a colleague of mine sent a random casting call that mm. she'd seen online um, asking for women with endometriosis and we had to send like a little self-tape explaining who you are and it was to be part of a campaign raising awareness and it's a, it's a lady called Cecile and she runs a charity called End Of Mm. Um, as in the end of the world but not the end of the world it's, it's, <laughs> it's, the, it's end of chronic pain and she has endometriosis mm-hmm. and she created this charity to, to 
help women with chronic pain, not specifically endometriosis, but she has endometriosis, so it's a big feature. Yeah. And to be able to help women who have chronic conditions find alternatives, find other paths through which they can get help and, and, and through exercise or what have you. And she, so I went the other day to film this, this video, um, but she runs and the thing that saved her was running. And I said, that's so yeah. interesting because for, I tried, I mean, I, I did that couch to 5k app and I must <laughs> say I did, I hated every minute of it. I was very, I was very proud that I did it and I was very proud that I ran 5k, but I'm not a runner. I don't enjoy it. I feel you. But the pain I couldn't run when I was in pain and, and I found it so interesting that another person it was the thing that say, that soothed yeah, her yeah yep so it's it's, it's just a re- it, that's another indicator of the fact that it's so different it's so there are no rights or wrongs yeah. in reality about about how to to go about it mm, mm. that i i love that i couldn't agree more yeah. i couldn't agree more and it's the same as you know everything we've been saying about like each individual journey like the symptoms that present are really different the symptoms also don't yeah. necessarily correlate to the stage of endo like it's you know the location sure. doesn't correlate to the symptoms like it's kind of it will present so differently for so many people and it's like when people yeah. are just doing a ticker box of oh well like i love my gp but she was like oh you kind of don't fit the ticker boxes here and like yeah. but thankfully i when i said to her i need to get it checked out she was like i totally i back you but you know yeah. it's it is not a ticker box and it presents so differently for everyone and what's yeah. amazing for one person is not amazing for another and it's just for me it comes back to again like in a really kind of grounded centered physical body way it's intuition yeah. like it is yeah. absolutely like intuition because like as you've said as i've said like we knew we knew something was up like yeah you know did you did you find have you found that it has affected your job (sighs) that is such a good question and it was interesting we were talking about this again just before we started recording the idea that Mm -hmm. because i'd really been diagnosed like within this covid period and as part of kind Mm -hmm. of a fertility journey that i hadn't it's like i look back in retrospect and i'm like oh like all these things I'm piecing together. And I know you'd said that as well, kind of before that diagnosis period for you. And, you know, it's interesting, like I feel my journey has been kind of different because as I said, it was sort of part of that fertility thing. I then fell yes. pregnant a month after um, having the surgery, which was a freaking miracle because, wow. it, yeah, it was wild because it had been a long time of trying yeah. really relatively. Um and kind of going oh what's kind of going on here and then it was just like oh what like that's what it was and I know that's not I know that's not the case for everyone and I have you know friends loved ones that it's it is an ongoing journey and that can't happen straight away so I am every second so mindful and grateful for the fact that that has been my journey and you know it's then you know I then will see what it's like kind of after giving birth and I'll see what it's like after being pregnant. Um, but, um, you know, and in a way, like, as we had talked about, like, it's kind of nice that like the balance and support of hormones in that, like being pregnant period. 
um, yeah. will probably help it or at least kind of hinder it from growing back for a while. Um, yeah. But, you know, I am so, again, it's like the uniqueness of that journey. Like that was my unique journey. But in terms of what you said of like, has it, like has it impacted my work I think Mm. almost certainly and without me knowing like you know whether people say like oh you're having a sick day are you well such and such didn't need to have a sick day and you know or what you're having a day off because of your period and like a lot of like judgment and that thing of like that I was saying before of someone saying that I just felt like a weak bitch um don't particularly love that word but I think it's it's fantastic in this context like you know I really just felt like that and looking back I was so hard on myself because I was like well why can't I do that today or why do I need a day off for my period or why am I sick again like it kind of it manifested in a lot of like we're talking an inflammatory condition in your body and it's also worth mentioning like to my understanding, it's not just, it's not like just a hormonal condition. Like it's not a period condition. It's kind of like an inflammatory kind of, um, I don't know if it's technically deemed an autoimmune condition, but it is like an immune system condition. Yes. Like it's not just a reproductive organ um, condition. Well, ultimately, I think that's because they don't know really what what is happening. They're not yeah. quite sure. They know what it looks like. Yeah, that's well, so true. They don't even sure. know what causes it yet, right? No. Some of them are like, it's it's uterine cells. Some of them, it's like, it's cells that are similar to, uh, you know, endometrial cells. They're not quite sure. And I think that's why it has mm. to be considered as something other than just a hormonal condition. Yeah, yes. Actually, that's so worth mentioning because maybe people are like, what the hell is endo? Um, but yeah. basically, like, as we said, it, the information is pretty much the same everywhere, but it's like, as you said, sort of the cells of the uterus, the ones that sort of, I guess, like build up and then go away when you like the lining of your uterus that builds up when you have your period and then is shed. Uh-huh. It's like happening uh-huh. in other parts of the body. But for some people, it, like it can be in their like ribs or their diaphragm yes. or their like eye, yes. you know, I which is crazy. Had it, I heard someone had it on their lungs and I've heard of someone had it yeah. on the back of the eye. Isn't that so weird? Wow. That is like so strange because also some of the theories are like oh maybe it is because blood stays in the womb after you get rid of your period and you're like well how do you explain the freaking eye endometriosis guys like keep researching keep funding be better yeah yeah find it out because they don't know and 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 it's i'm i am intrigued i would love to know more about the condition because i think it's if I didn't have it, <laughs> mm. if it wasn't something that caused pain, it is intriguing. It is. It's like it's connected to this hive mind. Yes. So all these cells that are planted wherever they're planted on your body, whenever you have your menstrual cycle, they also bleed. It's yes. genius. Yeah. <laughs> it's genius. Well done, buddy. It's like a futuristic thing where where you have your menstrual cycle and at the same time all these other random little bits of your of your insides empathize. Yes. That's such a good way of describing it. I love the hive mind thing as well because it was I think mm. my specialist had said to me because I was like, what, what do you do if people just have it somewhere else random and you can't necessarily like operate on that? She's like, oh, look, it's a bit of like – a monster like if you I can't remember if you kill its head then its body dies and kill its body its head dies I can't remember how she uh, put it but yeah. that was a quite good perspective like it's not like oh no have we got it all like it's kind of like it's gonna make a pretty big difference if you've 
you know, that's that's very true. But what, what my my argument for that would be that if that place then continues to bleed, yeah, it's going to get it's going to cause issue further yeah. down the line. Yeah, totally. But of course, it, it, of course, if it's something that's that's tricky or risky to get, then it's then it's it's difficult. But it is it is interesting that it's. I think that it, it's good to not describe it as a hormonal thing because I just think it's a it's a condition. It's a chronic condition mm. and um i definitely my my job has, has definitely been impacted yeah, like you me. i've had i remember my very very first contract outside of the uk in the netherlands and it was my very first day of production and i got onto onto the, into the rehearsal room and i had to sit down during mm. the first scene because i thought i was going to pass out oh. and Luckily, I had a wonderful, wonderful director who I still am very, very close to. And I went to her after the kind of scene because she said, why are you sitting down? You know, rightly so. Mm. And I said, I'm just a bit dizzy. And, and, and then I went to see her afterwards and I I'm, I'm said to her, I have this condition and, and such and such. And, and then it was OK. Then it was understood. Yeah. But, you know, I, I after my second surgery I was working for a company and I'd contacted them and said look I I was supposed to have my surgery the week before and it got cancelled mm. I was supposed to have 10, 10 days off before my contract started but they cancelled it and they rescheduled me for the week after mm. and I contacted the company and I said look um, I'm having a surgery on Friday and I'm due to start rehearsals on Monday is there any way I can have an extra day or two. Yeah. Two. And the answer was, it's the only day we have of musical rehearsals. Oh, it's up to you. Oh, God. And so I went. I got on the tube three days after <clears throat> surgery. Oh, my and God. It was to let, um, and I remember my colleagues, um, because I'm quite open about it. I don't share it all the time, but I'm quite open about things, you know, on... And my colleagues were like, what are you doing here? <laughs> and I was like, I wasn't really given a choice. Mm. Um, and, you know, I hadn't gone into great detail about what my surgery was, but I told them it was a surgery. Yeah. Where I was going to have keyhole, laparoscopic surgery. And it's and pretty like intense. And- like, I know people that are like, oh, I went to work the day after. But for me, I was like, I was really in bed for a week and then stumbling yeah. around the block for another week. And I was on like opiates, yeah. like the painkillers yes. that just make you hallucinate. Like, yeah. 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 It's not, it's not easy. It's not nice. And, but I think for those first two, I certainly was able to kind of push through it and, and, but I was glad when it came to the third one and I didn't have it. But I do, you know, I remember, I remember someone used to joke in college about, um, there was a country where women basically were allowed to take the, their, the time they had for their menstrual cycle. They were allowed to take that off work. Oh, and it was so like, good. that was it. And that singers were like, I'm not performing when yeah, I have my period. That was like the old school days, I reckon as well. Apparently you'd have like mm-hmm. a grace day. And I was like, that's genius. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that's great. If you can have a grace day, that's fantastic. But that's the other thing that I think it's really important for people to understand, um, singers to understand, and actors and everything. But sing, you know, that our, especially as for singers, I, 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 I'm sure it's difficult for actors and dancers as well. Um, it's difficult for everybody. Mm. But you know, 
it's very easy to underestimate how much of an impact on your voice this can have. I mean, obviously, there are obvious things. You know, you, hormones affect the voice. Periods can dry out the vocal cords. They can swell the vocal cords. There's many, many, many things. But if your body is in pain, if you if you are unable to support properly because you have pain, yeah, it all it all affects. And I remember I went to a physio once because I was having problem because I'm often in pain. It's when you are when you have it, you know. Pain and discomfort becomes a kind of regular background noise. Mm. Um, and it's not just when you have your period. For some people it is, but for me it wasn't. For me it's a, it's a kind of, you know, daily, most of the time occurrence, to have some form of discomfort. Mm. And as a result of that, I hold, or I did hold, and better now, a lot of tension in my abdomen. Mm. Because I don't, I didn't want to release it because it hurt too much yeah. to release it. Yeah. And so I was holding it a lot. And as a result, my muscles weren't quite sure what to do. And I, I remember going to a, um, a physio in London and she ultra, she scanned. It was really intriguing. She scanned my stomach muscles and she said, your inner stomach muscles are working incredibly hard to protect. Wow. You know, and it's things that you don't even think about it. And it's not just about you know just because your your condition doesn't literally affect your vocal cords like my voice is healthy mm. i'm very fortunate i have a healthy voice i've never not had a healthy voice but if you it doesn't matter if you have a, a, a ferrari engine in your car mm. if your wheels are falling off you <laughs> are not going to go anywhere yeah yeah <laughs> you know if your if your system is not working if your legs are hurting if your back is is spasming because of the pain if you have mm. not slept because of it mm. it directly affects and and then you know it's going to affect and then we overcompensate by getting stressed yeah. and we worry that we're not going to do a good job and we go over and all these things and it's incredibly stressful and i think that's i would imagine that's how a lot of performers would say that's how it could affect them because it's mm. so much more it's so much more than just a period and being and and you know it's it's a hugely psychological thing and it's a huge it's exhausting one of the things i discovered was fat fatigue i didn't know endometriosis fatigue was a thing oh yeah that was a huge one for me as well yeah it's massively it's huge because it's like nothing it's like no other kind of tired. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's like your body, it's like, I don't even, not really that I want to sleep. It's just that your body goes, no more. Power down. Need to stop. Yeah, power, yeah. Power down, literally power down. Mm-hmm. Um, and how can you be at optimum working, you know, condition if your body is fighting that? Yeah. And I think yeah. that's why it's important for people to bringing you know coming back to the one of the previous questions that's why it's important to explore it mm. because we 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 are we are, we are a, a group of people who have to fight very hard in so many ways mm. 
And if you can eliminate a couple of things from your battle, if you can know, if you can have knowledge that what you're battling against is a real thing. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I think that is so crucial. It's like, it is real and it is, it is multifaceted and then it's like, okay, I can have a multifaceted approach. You know what I mean? So it's like, you know, it's, it's, it is, it is massive it's also like it's not a death sentence it's something we can manage it's like but you have to get this team on board and yeah be dealing with what you're dealing with and kind of have a multifaceted approach and then we can support ourselves in ways by knowing okay if i've got a regular cycle i know that on these days it can be difficult in these ways or i know that um eating in this way or moving in this way really supports my body and it's then then you're dealing with something as opposed to just like being afraid and unsure about what it is. And for me, 100%. that's always so much better. Yeah, 100%. 100%. It's, it's, it's important. It's really important to, to know yeah. and to be allowed to, to get the support that you need. And, yeah. and, and, it's it's a lot it's a lot more people now are understanding it and a lot more people are talking about it and you know i have a, f- a few friends and family members in the medical profession who are saying it's it is being talked about more mm. but there's a long long way to go and it's you know that 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 statistic of one in ten it's the same as diabetes wow you know and and it's it's there's so many, and you might not have it to an extent, but it's it's just I I, I enjoy talking about it so much, and I think mm. we, I think I don't I think women generally, or, or say it again, people who are who have periods mm. are generally quite comfortable to discuss things like this. Yeah. You know, if you've if you've grown up with any kind of uh, circle of, of friends who go through the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> you tend to you tend to share, you tend to talk, and if you you know, I'm very fortunate that I've grown up in a family who are very open, and you know, quite frankly, they've had no choice but to deal with it because it's been a problem for me for a very long time. Yeah. yeah. But they don't necessarily, you know, if there's no experience of it, it's very hard to to really truly understand and to really truly know what it's like Mm. so it's very important it's very important that we can hear conversations like this and see these videos see you know things being being put out in the open to know that you just you're not on your own and it's not okay what you're going through yeah and and it's 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 a i described i did like a another interview thing last year and i said it's not it's not life-threatening, but it's life-altering. And once you are able to get your head around that, that you will just need to adapt to it, it's much easier. Yeah, yeah. And that there is that support there that exists. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Oh, you're amazing. I mean, that's a a beautiful note to wrap up on. Um, But, yeah, I I mean, I'll pop... um, information in the in the show notes and any yes. kind of additional information as it crops up and uh, yeah. where can people find you on like social media and find out about your work like where can people seek you out 
day, I am on all forms of social media. Oh, well I'm, done. I'm on Twitter. Oh no, I mean I am. It's <laughs> interesting how having no having no work, it's really interesting to figure out what you kind of what you share. <laughs> totally. Lots of photos of lots of photos of lovely woodland areas and dogs <laughs> on my Instagram feed currently. I hear. Um, I hear. But I'm on Instagram, I'm on, I'm on Twitter, and I'm on Facebook, and I do, I and I have a website. But I, 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 I love to connect with people about things and to talk to people about things. And I'm always, I'm, I'm very much a, a talker and a doer. And I, I have had several people since being on Instagram and since being a little bit more every now and then. I try not to. My focus on social media is still very much as a singer. Yeah. Um. But I am a singer with endometriosis and I do think it's very important to share. So I do share and it's incredible the number of, even if it's just someone saying, oh, thanks to this, you know, I have it too. Or just yes, I know exactly. little what you mean. connections. Yeah, yeah. And the people that sort of need to find like, find that kind of stuff. It's like even say through this podcast, it's like people going, oh, wow, like, I can reach out about that or X, Y, Z. That's been yeah. my experience too. And um, it's just really nice. Like I think it's exactly what you've articulated is why I kind of, you know, started this in the first place. So we can be having conversations alongside, you know, us as performers. Yeah. So that's perfect. We can find your performance work um, and any bonus endo work. What's your, um like, ha- is it called a handle? I don't know. I'm really bad at social I media. I think, I think, hold on, let me look. I Love don't it. Know. Let me. <laughs> I would. I don't even know what the bloody thing's called. I just. I'll have I so many no, people. No, it's a Twitter handle, isn't it? It's a Twitter handle, but it's an inst. I don't know what is it. An inst. It must be a handle. Not Surely a clue. It a... <laughs> Instagram. <laughs> name. I'm, so, I'm really good at technology, but not at that stuff. So my Instagram is is Hannah Lisa K, or it's just if you search. I don't think there's many Hannah Lisa Kirchens in the world. Actually, I think I'm quite fortunate in that. And Twitter, I think, is the same thing. I think it's Hannah underscore Lisa underscore Kate or something. Gorgeous. But I can send that. I Beautiful. Can send that to you we'll and, pop it in the notes. Oh, amazing. Well, thank you so much for your generosity of spirit and information and sharing and, um, you know, keep us posted. We'll, we'll join you with the woodland and dog pictures. Yes, do. Please do. And thank you because I, I, it's these kind of podcasts, I think this has been a, a real, um, it's been a real bonus that's come out of these COVID times as well yes. as the people have been looking for other outlets to be creative and to connect yeah. with people. And I love listening to your podcast. Oh, because, dude, thanks. Well, I have because it's, it's, you know, it's a connection to our industry, but it's also the other all the different facets of the industry and of being a person and it's not just about being so I think it's really important and I and I just if if this podcast reaches one person who has who connects to it then we've done the job yes I couldn't agree more Thank you so much for joining Hannah, Lisa and I in that epic conversation about um, our experience with endometriosis. Uh, Again, I'll link to a bunch of things in the show notes, um, but do reach out to your uh, GP, medical professional, medical team uh, with any questions. Take what we have said with a grain of salt. It's our experience. Um, Always reach out to a medical professional, um, but hopefully this is a really nice place 
to start and um you know maybe it can get you questioning or answer a few questions or get you started on that path of information um what else can i say oh i was gonna say as well if you um, are going in for endosurgery then one thing I really am grateful that I did uh, was pack a bag to stay overnight. I didn't necessarily know if I'd be staying overnight. Um, Hannah Lisa mentioned that she um, she went straight home after at least one of her surgeries. For me, they kept me in overnight. So I'm really glad I had um, a little bit of food. I had um, a phone charger. I had noise cancelling headphones, which was great um, for obviously sharing a hospital room. Um, and yeah, just kind of stuff like that is, is what I would say. Just be prepared for that. Um, yeah. And also I think getting sort of a diagnosis of endo and that process over the years for me, really, um, we talk a little bit about in the episode, as you would have heard, we talk about our relationship, uh, with our period and that, you know, it can be kind of up and down. I found that having the diagnosis, but also just starting to switch on some awareness, um, in a fertility journey and also kind of, uh, earlier than that, like changing my relationship with my period, uh, to kind of see it as, okay, how can I kind of roll with this rhythm a little bit more? How can I understand the different aspects of my cycle? What is my body doing at different points in my cycle? I'm not just trying to push through all the time and expect the same things of my body or of my exercise or of my, energy levels um that was really beneficial for me so i think that's worth mentioning um there are some amazing things again on social media but also some wonderful books um again i'll try and link to them uh but yeah some books about kind of how how to kind of cultivate your relationship with your cycle and with your period and that was really beneficial for me all right well this has been a bumper episode it's been epic indeed so um if you've made it here then congratulations uh it's been so wonderful to have you and again share with anyone that you think uh could benefit from this or would be interested uh, or would love to be a part of our show notes community speaking of which you can find us on instagram at show notes the podcast uh, I have a very teeny tiny facebook group but i don't really attend to it um that's just you know um me being frank and honest in the muddiness of this uh, this season I'm embracing it um but you know join us there if you're a Facebook kind of um kind of person and um but yeah Instagram is kind of tend is where I tend to kind of post about new episodes and stuff but also subscribe on your favorite podcast platform and then you get notifications about new episodes and it also helps uh, other people to find us as well um give us a five-star review and um you know that always helps uh as well and it also makes me feel like you know, I got some friends and I'm not shouting into the void. No, (laughs) I don't really feel like that. Um, But it's been great to have you and I'm sending you guys lots of goodness and lots of solidarity in, uh, in periods.